Hi, I'm Trevor. Hi, and I'm Kyle. And today, Trevor will be catching up on cinema. Uh, he caught up on Green Street Hooligans from, what was this, 2007? I can't remember. 2005. 2005, that's um, right. I remember this very well because I was in my freshman year of college when it came out, mm-hmm. and I actually had a person I didn't really want to hang out with <laughs> invite me to go see it. Oh. And I very politely declined. Although now I'm kind of regretting it because I actually... You know, after having watched the movie, I kind of like it. So I actually found this movie. I was uh, in the military at the time, and my uh, roommate had left for Christmas, and I wasn't going home for Christmas this year. So I was pretty much just by myself, 19, nothing to do. And he's like, hey, I got a bunch of DVDs down here you can watch. I'm like, cool. Because all I had was It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, DVDs. <laughs> um, so I uh, I just rooted through there. I'm like, Green Street, Hulu. I don't know what made me want to watch this because I didn't like soccer. I didn't really care for Frodo Baggins that much. I didn't know who Charlie Hunnam was. But I, I put it in one night, and uh, I, I had a lot of fun watching it. And I've continued watching it for the past decade uh, occasionally, usually when drinking. Um, yeah, I wanted Trevor to see it because there's a, there's a fun fight element uh, to the movie, and it's British-ish. It's British-ish for the most part, um, <laughs> and uh, I feel like there was there was an, there was another reason. Oh, it was because uh, we were watching. We did Knox talking two smoking barrels, which right. Vinnie Jones's character takes his kid around on these um, on these jobs he has to do for the mob, mm-hmm. and one of our characters in this movie doesn't really learn his lesson, or he didn't he didn't know about not doing that you're not supposed to do that take your kid along Un- for uh, well unless you're vinnie jones unless you're vinnie jones and then <laughs> don't be rude <laughs> all right so um i'll just give a quick uh rundown on the movie um our um is it matt is that what um frodo's name is in this uh, uh matt yeah, matt book bookner yeah matt, matt bookner. bookner um he is going to harvard and we uh find out that he is getting kicked out for um possession of drugs however it was his shitbag roommate who hid the drugs in his uh on his side of the room and he's taking the blame for it because his dad is high up in the government and he's basically bribed to keep quiet so he takes his bribe money which is quite a bit of money i think it was like ten thousand dollars cash might have been more than oh, that yeah. honestly yeah it's, um, it's in one of those you know classy manila envelope type situations yeah and uh he takes a takes a plane over to England and he visits his sister who's married to a British gentleman and they he ends up hanging out with the British gentleman's um, younger brother his cousin and his cousin is a soccer hooligan and he ends up getting into some adventures with him along the way and uh, I guess it's not a coming of age but like you like you'd mentioned before it's a uh, it's young a young man's adventure um, yeah, it's a it's a young man finding his place in the world, finding his tribe. He's in fact there was that there was that uh, Ellen Page and Drew Barrymore movie about the roller derby gals that that was actually how they marketed it. Gotcha. Uh, the tagline was "Find your tribe." Yeah, but and that's kind of what this story felt like. Yeah, but Ellen Page is like forty years old. <laughs> well, this was like in the mid two thousands. Okay, I just, <laughs> when she was thirty five. You forget like Ellen Page. Like, oh wow, she looks really young. Like she's like ten years older than you think she is. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, um, but yeah, well, what, what did you, overall? What did you think of the movie? I uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it feels it feels very like uh, elemental in its storytelling, like in the sense that it doesn't surprise you with too much, but 
it's satisfying um especially the writing in the last third of the movie um it had a kind of similar to lock stock and two smoking barrels um it's very tight from a writing standpoint where there's a lot of threads that feel kind of extraneous in the early portions of the film that st- suddenly start to come be- come together very quickly and in very satisfying ways um a lot of the characters bump into each other and interact with each other in very interesting ways especially towards the end and i was very happy with that plus like you said the the fighting element of the movie while not extraordinary uh is satisfying um like the violence is portrayed in a fairly realistic fashion where people don't get up after a certain number of hits (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like numbers advantages really do play in at certain points in the film and it it has that kind of infectious quality to it because you do kind of you come along with elijah wood on his journey Mm -hmm. where you kind of you kind of like get into the spirit of things like for me i'm not the kind of person who sings in public oh but watching certain scenes in this movie it kind of makes you want to join in because it's just the the energy is just so infectious well that's that's how i am around like world cup time i don't really watch soccer Uh, i'll catch some premier league occasionally actually i watched uh, manchester versus manchester city which is usually a pretty good match Uh, i caught it last year with my friend bob Uh, we went to a bar in uh, seattle that specifically is for Manchester United fans, so we're watching oh, really? match. It was really good last year. This year, Manchester City bested them, um, but still, it's it's a that I think those teams are fun to watch. And watching this, you can kind of it, you can kind of j- like throw yourself into it. Like, yeah, I could get into soccer. Like, I could I could probably get into doing this kind of thing. I'm not going to, but I probably could. <laughs> so yeah, should we just jump jump into the movie? Uh, jump in, talk about. Yeah, it? Um, I mean. What the first scene? I I actually mentioned to you mentioned this to you off air. Like the first scene is a fight. Uh, as far as I recall, it's just Charlie Hunnam and his boys in a what a subway. Yeah, they're uh, so we actually are. Uh, it's it's an interesting way to introduce them. Yeah, they're kicking a um, they're kicking a can around. So you can get the idea that they're like they're a group of guys that just got back from a soccer match. It's not explicitly stated; they're just kicking it back and forth, and then uh, they're about to catch the train when across the platform uh, is an, the opposing team's um, fanboys. We'll call them because <laughs> uh, I don't think they ever call themselves hooligans in this. They call themselves. I, a firm. I don't think I ever heard the word get brought up. They're called a firm. In fact, they, the uh, the uh, the British title of the, well, the yeah, the UK title of the film is just Green Street. Um, I think they slipped that in there for the U.S. release to um, spell it out to the audience that, yes, this will include punching, because mm-hmm. <laughs> Green Street doesn't really communicate much. Yeah, so that we're introduced to them, and there's some shit talking going on uh, across the platform, and they fucking get into it. Uh, they're breaking shit, they're knocking the shit out of each other. Uh, and this, it just looks like, I guess, um, I forget the town that uh, the West Ham's... Um, team is from but yeah they're basically just downtown knocking the shit out of each other and um then we cut to well it kind of just ends we know that they got into a fight and then we cut to elijah wood um we find out that he's packing up like he'd gotten kicked out of an office like he's packing up his little cardboard box full of stuff (laughs) and we learn that his roommate his, his roommate is giving him a bribe he's just like you're covering me man i appreciate it like I'm gonna pay you back for this. Like it's a big deal. Like I just can't do it. My dad would kill me, and he's up for re-election. I just it's not something that I can can handle right now. Um, mm-hmm. So 
Matt doesn't want to take the money. Uh, he's a oh, we we should uh, mention that he is a uh, journalism journalist. He's a he's majoring in journalism. Uh, yeah, at Harvard, <laughs> and <laughs> so you know he's going to be well off. Um, so this is huge. Like this isn't like I'm getting kicked out of you know Florida State. Like I'm getting kicked <laughs> out of Harvard. Like this is a big deal, and this is a lot of people are going to know about this. So he doesn't want to take the money, but reluctantly he he ends up taking it, and we have the shots of him going to the airport. We don't really know where he's going yet, but I mean we'll we'll find out soon enough. He's going yeah, to important England. important detail here. Um, when he's sitting in his room alone, he uh, attempts to call his dad, mm, mm-hmm. and, I, and he gets the uh, the classic um, "dad is away on business" answering machine. Yeah, um, yeah, dad. Man, yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I feel like Elijah Wood had a lot of like business dads in his films. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that was the plot of The Good Son. Was, his dad wasn't his, there. Like he was gone. Yeah. He was like absentee father with you know dead mom. So maybe maybe this is a thing with his career. I didn't see that movie with him and Bruce Willis where Bruce Willis is in the bunny outfit. I think is he supposed to have shitty parents in that too? Oh, uh, North. Yeah, North. Uh, I have seen North, and yeah, well, his parents aren't shitty. His parents are uh, fucking Jason Alexander and uh, Julia, Julia yeah, Louise Dreyfus. <laughs> um, I mean, they they argue, they get into like domestic spats, but it's not like he's smacking her or she's like you know cheating on him it's nah, i like her uh, odds anyway i think she could take him yeah. oh yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> like she got she got reach and she got like feistiness she's on feisty him. although i don't know i could totally see jason alexander like doing dirty shit like eye pokes and pocket sand and stuff. fish hooking yeah <laughs> fish hooking oh Oof. yeah he'd go for that but um yeah, he had, he had kind of shitty parents in that, and that was, like, the whole plot of the movie is that he's supposed to be shopping for new parents or something. There was a movie from the 90s. I forget what it's called. It's, like, uh, Trading Mom or Mom, the Mommy Market or something like that. The girl from... <laughs> the little girl from uh, My Girl, and she's also on uh, Veep. Uh, she's, like, the oldest sister. Basically, they're like, we don't like our mom anymore. We want a new one. So they go to this... It's called, like, a Mommy Market, and they get... <laughs> new moms. It's it's a weird movie. I might have to rewatch it. I've got to find out what huh. it's called though. Um, I think it's Trading Mom, if I'm not mistaken. Um, anyway, so yeah, so he's got a, a deadbeat dad. Doesn't want to talk to him, uh, but he's you know pretty wealthy. He's putting him through Harvard. Uh, yeah, but he goes to meet his sister, who is she's she's a Scottish actress. I can't think of her name. She's Claire Forlani. Claire Forlani. Yes. This is odd, and I've I've yeah, heard this odd casting, odd casting because <laughs> she's Scottish. <laughs> Couldn't you just have like a Scottish half sister? Like she could not. Yeah, yeah. I I was very blown away by this because I was excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you cast her to be an American. It's she's like maybe. I mean, she was having a moment. Uh, like I I don't recall what years these all came out, but like Meet Joe Black, oh, Mystery Men this probably some other shit like she was having a very strong moment around this time See, but i feel like this is when her moment was her? over because she uh she was in the 90s like i remember her from mall rats and then yeah uh mystery men meet joe black i think meet joe black was her high watermark and that movie was awful i don't care what anybody says that movie's stupid <laughs> uh it's so bad and it's so long uh you, you didn't like hearing uh brad pitt speak jamaican 
It's playing. so stupid. Him with the peanut butter and him. Like, I get what they were going for. You want to have like this, like, oh, what if death was a real person? And Brad Pitt's awful. Like, it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But he he has child childlike wonder. Yeah, it's so <laughs> that's so attractive to adult women. My brother defends it. I think he's fucking crazy. But uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, his his sister's Claire Forlani, and he gets there, and then um, his brother-in-law. He's a, a British actor. I don't know who he is. I, I'm sure I've seen him in something else. Um, his wig is noteworthy later in the movie. <laughs> if you remember <laughs> the wig, he has to wear. It. It's fantastic. Uh, he basically comes up to him. They they weren't expecting him really. I'm sure he called her like the day before, like, "Hey, I'm flying out to see you." So, uh, or he might have just called her when he got into the airport. I'm not really sure because the brother-in-law wasn't really expecting him. He's like, "Hey, dude, I've got I've got some plans. If you wouldn't mind, like, you know, kicking it for a little bit someplace else. We we're supposed to go go do something." But um, Charlie Hunnam his younger brother the hooligan stops by yeah and his he has a hell of an entrance mm-hmm, here, in fact mm-hmm. like the the note that i i wrote here was like conor mcgregor i'm picturing charlie <laughs> hunnam like before every scene he had in this movie getting revved up like like robert de niro in a raging bull just like i'm the boss i'm the boss i'm the boss i'm the boss <laughs> and just like flexing and just like going ah! in the corner and like in the mirror because like his swagger in, in this scene in particular is just crazy. He walks like Conor McGregor does. You, I forget which fight it was, but there was a specific fight where McGregor was walking in, and he's like the gorilla walk. Yeah, yeah, he was walking with his like back like really stiff, and his arms were swinging. And I'm like, that's how Charlie Hunnam walks this whole movie. No, he he walks like like a gorilla with a thirty pound dick. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and even the way he comes in, he just like blows past his brother. Walks straight into the kitchen, grabs a beer, grabs a and beer. just like, he just like, leans onto the kitchen counter, and like he just like owns his space. Yeah, and he like takes the beer bottle, off, like he takes the cap off with uh, his teeth. Uh, he, he's yeah, he's he's whipping it out he's, basically. He's basically trying to be the coolest person who's ever lived. In the, but <laughs> he's, it's his, he's British Fonzie. <laughs> it's so rude because it's his brother's house, and he just comes in like he owns the place. It's it's, uh-huh. but he's also supposed to be pretty young. I think he's supposed to be about twenty three, twenty four. Like he's not very old. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He uh, it, there's a funny exchange between him and uh, him and uh, Frodo. He. Uh, He's like, how are we, my colonial cousin? And he's like, fine, thanks. <laughs> and he goes, fine, thanks. Uh, it was just, it was an interesting exchange because we always make fun of British people's accents in our movies, and then we get the reverse. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's how we sound to him. Interesting. I, I wonder that. Yeah, I'm, it's funny because being from the Pacific Northwest, I'm always curious what people in other parts of the country think of how I speak, because to me, I have what feels like a non-regional dialect but in truth no, no there really is a pacific northwest dialect it's just i'm not i haven't been exposed to other parts of the country too often well i think the colder side of canada like the really cold part i think they have the aboot the oot kind of no oh, yeah yeah i don't really think vancouver has it as much but uh i do notice that when i moved to seattle people would say big they'd say big or bagel um, a little bit of a northern, just a little bit of a northern twang on things, um, but it's it's not with everybody. But I definitely notice it with my girlfriend. She definitely says big. Hmm. Well, I say bagel, mm. but I say bag. Bag. But in I conversation, bag, you guys say, say bagel. bagel. 
bagel. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, supposedly Nebraska has the cleanest English in the U.S. Doubt it. Um, <laughs> supposedly. Supposedly. Um, it's funny because um, this dropped off very quickly, but um, Charlie Hunnam's first scenes with Elijah Wood um, immediately made me think of Fight Club. Oh yeah, okay. Big handsome blonde man talking to you know scrawny brown haired guy and schooling him in the ways of the world. Um, Very quickly after, uh, very quickly after they're first introduced, um, it's interesting because Charlie Hunnam's brother, uh, Claire Forlani's husband. um, I was very curious about how this would play out later in the film, and I was very happy with how it did because when I first saw him, um, the way he was framed and the way his dialogue was written, I was fully prepared to really hate him Mm -hmm. like it felt like the movie was positioning to him to be an antagonist of some sort yeah especially since the first thing he says to elijah wood is like hey it's nice to see you but i've got plans with (laughs) your sister get the fuck out yeah um and he very quickly pawns him off on charlie hunnam and says take him to the soccer game he's like why because i don't want him here (laughs) Uh, so like he's very quickly set up as like an antagonistic presence but there's a big but there that comes into play later. Um, but yeah, as soon as they uh, they leave the the home and they're walking on the street, Charlie Hunnam tries to you know get rid of Elijah Wood. He's like, you know, I you know I put on a show for all the folks in the kitchen there, but I really don't want you around. And uh, they they have a little scrap here. And do you mind like pointing out what happens here? Yeah. So. Uh He's telling he he says something to him about like British slang. He's like, "Give me, give me off the bees." He's saying, "Give me half mm-hmm. of the, half of your, half of the money that uh, I can't think of what his brother's name is." But he gives him money to go to the match, take him with him. And Elijah was like, "I'm not gonna do it." And he's like, "How about this? I'll knock the shit out of you if you don't." So Elijah Wood tries to distract him, and he's like, "Look, a cop!" And Charlie <laughs> Hunnam looks over. And Elijah Wood tries to kick him in the shin like he's a fucking hobbit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Charlie Hunnam just catches it. Because we'll learn later that his his reflexes are fast because he fights for fun. Like, just on a mm. Tuesday. Like, that's how he... That's his gym, is he just beats ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, he just grabs his leg and he's kind of, like, hopping there. And he talks some shit to him. And I love this move. So, he has, like, the left leg up and, like... It's up high, and if you've ever watched like an uh, an MMA match or a wrestling match, you know like like it's hard to keep your balance. You pretty much have to hop. And mm-hmm. Charlie Hunnam just kicks his other leg from underneath him. I'm like, that's a good move. Can't use that in wrestling or MMA, but it's a good move, um, well, especially on fucking concrete. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Charlie Hunnam is pretty big, dude. Frodo is five foot nothing, pretty much. So he's just kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't do so well, but if you ever try that again, he's like, I will beat the shit out of you. Like, I know that you are intimidated by me and you tried to fight back, but I wouldn't try that again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and because, and, and this kind of, uh, he kind of, res- Charlie Hunnam kind of respects him after that a little bit. And he's like, you're not much of a fighter, huh? And he's just like, that's eh, probably the first fight I've been into. And he's like, you call that a fight? And he's like, no, not really. Mm. He's like, you know what? 
I am going to take you to match day today. Because <laughs> we might pop, some shit's going to probably pop off later. So um, West Ham are playing some other team and uh, they go to this bar. I like this bar. Uh, I'm never going to go into that bar uh, because it's a hooligan bar. Uh, but I like I like the setup and uh, we go and meet uh, his group of friends. Um, now, now there's one specific friend of his that I really, really like. Um, I don't know if you've seen Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. Uh, I know who you're talking about. And he, um, he's in Prometheus. He's the, he's the guy with the motor mouth. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, It's fine, actually. Go ahead. <laughs> God, um, some of the overlapping dialogue with his scenes is just, like, hilarious. Oh, he's great. Because I can't understand a fucking word anyone is saying, but he's just going. He's just going. Um, he belongs in a Tarantino movie. Um, his name is Rafe Spall? Yes, there we uh, go. Truthfully, the only thing I've seen him in was uh, very recently. I think he was in the most recent Jurassic World. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, I do know that he uh, he did uh, those Edgar Wright movies. Like, almost all of them as far as I know. So like, uh, Shaun of the Dead and uh, At the World's End or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much all of those. But yeah, um, he very clearly very young in this. Very but he stood out, um, not only because he's a very tall guy, but he has a goofy look, and yeah, um, his uh, verbal gymnastics were very impressive. <laughs> um, real quick before we forget, Stevie. Steve is the brother's name. Yeah, Steve. Stevie Dunham. Steve, yeah. Steve and Pete Dunham. Uh, Pete is Charlie Dunham. Charlie uh, Dunham. Yes. Um, so we meet them, and I, I like I said, he this guy is really funny, and he's kind of the comic relief a little bit throughout the movie. Not that there is much, but yes, he is in the, the most recent Jurassic World. Uh, the ritual I haven't seen, but the cover looks really good. Makes it look really huh. good. Oh, yeah, you should read read about that. It looks pretty good. Um, so yes, he's, he's he meets the friends. They're all really friendly, and. Uh, I think they're kind of exp- they're explaining some um, of their because he's having tro- uh, Frodo's having a little bit of trouble uh, following what they're saying because I, yeah um, it's I really enjoyed the way this was shot mm-hmm. um, and it makes me think that this movie was made um, with American audiences in mind mm, okay. uh, because the effectiveness of this scene I feel is amplified if you're not British. Okay. Uh, because the the framing in the scene when he's first sitting down with all with all of Charlie Hunnam's buddies, um, it's all very tight. Um, there's a lot of overlapping dialogue. There's a, a, an obscene amount of British slang that I don't have a fucking clue what half of it means, and it, it gives it a, like an air of uh, foreignness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like a slightly uh, oppre- oppressive atmosphere because he's so very clearly the outsider. Oh, very much, yeah. And it, it, it lends tension to the room, especially when, uh, uh, what the fuck is his, Bover? Bover, yeah. Bover, so what the fuck? He is, <laughs> I was uh, getting very is, confused as to, as, to pronou- as to how to pronounce his name because everybody's called Brov in this movie. Brov. And his name is Bover. So I think <laughs> the other reason why I wanted you to watch this is because, yes, it's Bover, uh, played by Leo Gregory. Um, the other reason why I wanted you to watch this is because we were watching Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. We did an episode on that, and I talked about one of the biggest pieces of shit in movie history was Dog in that movie. Mm. Bover is nipping at his heels as one of the biggest movie pieces of shit. Uh, he is absolute <laughs> trash, and we actually learned that. We learned a little bit about his character. He walks in, and like I said, all of all of um, 
all of uh, I think his name's Charlie. Is Charlie Charlie in this movie? I forgot his name already. There's just yeah, Pete. Sorry, Pete. Um, Pete, Pete Dunham. Yeah, he. All of his friends are really nice, and they're having a good time with him. And Bobber comes in. They're like, "Hi, this is Bobber." And Matt goes to shake his hand, and he just turns his head, like just snubs mm-hmm. him. And they all think it's because they're like, oh, he's such a dick. Oh, man, what a fucking asshole. And they're laughing and stuff. And it, the, the Bobber has a problem with them because it's fucking match day. And he takes this firm very seriously, this little group oh, that yeah. they have. And he knows that some shit's going to pop off. He's like, what the fuck are you doing bringing an outsider here? Like, like this isn't what this is supposed to be. We're about to go, we're about to get mental, as they, uh, <laughs> as they say. Um <laughs> So they are they are tying one off. Uh, they are getting fucked up. <laughs> oh yeah, and it it was funny because um, I was having trouble determining how much time was passing oh. during this scene because it felt like it was all day, and then they leave <laughs> and it's day go to the match. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? This was all before the match. It's fucking daytime. Uh, so yeah, I'm um, guessing. I think uh, fun, I think fun soccer matches here, started. Uh, go ahead. I just wanted to say, Bobber, um, I wrote, I've been, in my notes, I referred to him as Frumpy Face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he... I referred to him as Frumpy Face, and I said he, he looks like Robert Carlyle mixed with Joel Kinnaman <laughs> on crack. <laughs> <laughs> Not a handsome man. No, but, he's ugly um, as Actually, fuck. seems like a very good actor, though. I'll call it, the, I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, he's, he does seem like a very good actor. He was legit in this movie, I thought. Um, but yeah, so I think soccer matches start around four or five uh, on Saturdays, Sunday. So I'm, I'm not sure what day of the week this was supposed to be. Uh, I, I'm going to assume it was like a Friday or a Saturday. I, well, he was getting home from work, and it seemed like they had plans that evening. So we'll say we'll say Friday. Um, so they're tying one off, and they're they're going to the match. Uh, but there's there's another another exchange just to amplify how much of a dick Bobber is. Uh, he sees Matt in the bathroom and he comes in and he's just like, "I don't give a fuck who you are if you're his cousin or not. We don't fucking like outsiders. Just so stay the fuck out of my way." And in a power move, he flicks his lit cigarette at him. That's oof. And then he turns his back to him and pisses. Takes a piss. Yeah. So he's basically just dismissing him as any potential threat. Yeah, um, which is really uh, emasculating. And I think that's I think that is one of the the main thing that Matt is learning in this movie is he's he's been emasculated by his he's been strongheaded by his uh, his roommate. Now he's being emasculated by this group of this hooligan in the group, and he has to overcome that. And it's a really good way for him to overcome. Um, so they end up. They're going down the streets. Uh, I learned this from a Jim Jeffries uh, stand-up special. Um, in I think in British pubs and stadiums, uh, I think in pubs mostly, they had to start serving plastic cups uh, for the most part, especially when you have a, a large group like that uh, because they were getting into so many fights and glassing each other. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> stabbing each other with pine glasses <laughs> that they had to have plastic cups and if you notice in this movie uh, they had like they had pl- uh, they go outside they had plastic cups but uh yeah th- also as soon as they're exiting the pub there's like police standing right next to the doorway mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah like just uh, waiting for them to come out just in case and then they have that bubble song which is always fun uh, blowing bubbles you know I did you know, I did. They do the clapping. 
Um, they're oh, doing fun fact. Um, I I looked up the guy who plays the the preppy cokehead in this movie. Oh the yeah, one who uh, who uh, you know fucked over Elijah Wood yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, apparently he's a musician and he wrote some of the songs in this movie. Interesting. He does a good yeah. job in this movie. Uh, he's not much of a actor, like in terms of credits, but yeah, apparently his main thing is music. He, d- I mean, he does a good job. He plays his part in this movie. Like you don't like him at all. Um, oh yeah, he he did it well. And plus he has that like almost mullet thing going, mm-hmm. like the the Gordon Gecko hair. Oh, we'll get to a mullet later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there are, there are a few mullets in this movie. <laughs> so match day, they are. Uh, he, um, uh, Pete mentioned something to uh, Frodo. So the, all the guys start putting on their hoods. They start putting up their uh, jackets and stuff like that. And he points out all the cameras at the uh, at the stadium. Now, Matt doesn't know that they are a firm, a uh, group of hooligans. So he he's just kind of mentioned it. He's like, uh, look, we're the most watched country in the world. And they get in there. Match is going on. And they're making this seem way more exciting than soccer actually is. Uh, <laughs> the editing of this. They're making this. Oh, fuck yeah. It's just like intense. I'm like, no, that's like 30 seconds of a whole match right there. Like making it look that awesome. Um, also, for a bunch of working class guys, they got primo seats. Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, it's it's not gone into, but I wouldn't be surprised if like their status as a firm like has them have some sort of connection of some sort i would i would think so but then again this is also a movie and you it sucks to have your your main group like all the way up in the stands <laughs> in the nose, yeah um but bobber now we get to learn how much of a daredevil bobber is so across the way is the opposing team's uh hooligans um he goes over there and he's in like secure he's in like a security um uniform and he walks straight over there and just starts talking shit right to their faces and like, oh shit, look, he's over there. Um, they were like all amped up because of that. So he gets kicked out, matches over. They all meet up outside. Um, Charlie or uh, Pete tells uh, Frodo like, hey, why don't you kick it? We we might get into something later, but you know, why don't you go go ahead and head home? Uh, so Matt leaves and he gets. Uh, accosted by the other um, the other hooligans. Yeah, the folks that Bover was taunting. Yeah. Uh, so basically, he instigated this. Yes, Bover did uh, instigate uh, this. Oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> so they grab him and they're like, "What's a fucking Yank doing with the the Green Street Elite, the GSE?" Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's their name is the GSE, the Green Street yeah, Elite. He tries to plead innocent, saying like, "I don't know anything about firms or GSE. Uh, I'm just an American. That's my cousin." Yeah. And uh, they don't care. <laughs> they don't give a shit. He's gonna give him what's called a Chelsea grin. That is where you place a debit or credit card or library card, whatever you got. Uh, into the mouth, put it up against the gums, so that mm-hmm. the so you can see the card right there. And I'm guessing what he was going to do is punch him uh, right in the face, which sounds awful. Um, <laughs> but he is rescued at the last second by uh, the GSE, um, and they beat little ass, not much, just a little, um, mm-hmm. and then you know try to get away. Yeah, the progression here is actually kind of humorous. Yeah. Because, uh, like, Charlie Hunnam and his boys, all, pretty much all the people we met in the pub earlier, um, they come to his rescue, they beat some ass, and then they just very quickly spirit him away down down the alley to a van that they have, just ready to go. And I guess the plan is to head, like, right back to the pub for more drinking. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then, like, just as they're, like, very peacefully about to drive off, one of the people they just beat up throws a brick in the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of, like, running away or whatever, they immediately just hop out and chase after him. <laughs> Does he call him a wanker? Because this seems like a wanker moment. Like, you I'm little almost positive wanker. wanker is dropped at some point. But, yeah, they chase him, and uh, it's a trap! <laughs> <laughs> it was a trap. So, yes, they, they find that... Uh, it was to lure them into getting into a fight with a much bigger crowd. Um, they end up, uh, well, Matt's like, dude, we gotta call the police. We gotta get the fuck out of here. And, and Pete's like, dude, no, you gotta, you gotta fuck stand your ground, dude. Beat some ass. And like, what? Go! <laughs> Just, they, yeah, um, but I believe, uh, Bobber had sent for reinforcements. They, they get into it with this huge group, but then Bobber comes with even more people after, they get into it for a little bit. Um, Frodo isn't doing really well. They even mention it like, eh, your swings were a little bit not good. You're kind of swinging, flailing a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. it was important that he kind of got his ass beat a little bit. Well, and this was a very important scene. Um, and I thought it was executed pretty well, except for a few technical details. Um, some choices that were made that personally I disagree with, but I do understand why they're there. Um, the build-up to it's really nice because mm-hmm. we get our uh, our standoff moment where there's the two, like quote unquote, armies yeah. of, of the two firms, the two opposing factions, uh, staring each other down, yelling at each other, throwing stuff, and uh, again, just like the pub scene uh, preceding this, uh, it's kind of framed from Elijah Wood's perspective, where it's there's a lot of shaky cam going on. Uh, you can tell that he's just terrified and doesn't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like paralyzed and he's not able to run away because he's got a bunch of guys that are standing next to him and clearly not about to run away. And yeah, the the tagline of the movie I think is like "Stand your ground and fight." Yeah. And I think Charlie Hunnam actually says that pretty much verbatim. And yeah, the the way this this fight is the way it plays out. Um, there's a lot of shaky cam and there's this weird uh, like shimmering. Uh, light effect where pretty much all the light blooms are exaggerated and it has a kind of like a almost like a, a drunken or like drug addled feel to it yeah where I, I, I get it it's supposed to be very chaotic it's supposed to be like he's there he's getting an adrenaline rush and he's in shock basically so it's like a heightened reality so all the choreography in the, in this movie is very raw uh, it's not meant to look good it's just meant to be like a means to an end which a lot of haymakers a lot of knees to the to the stomach a lot of trips and stuff yeah, i feel like it's and hard to yeah have uh, the way he the way elijah wood's body language works in this scene is reflective of his character where he he does like swing three or four times wildly at someone and just kind of gets lucky yeah and then the rest of the time he's just kind of getting his ass kicked <laughs> for the most part yeah he's just kind of getting his ass kicked but yeah he's yeah just, he's just flailing around and hoping for the best because he's in he's just panicking basically i mean it's hard to have good technique in a situation like this like you pretty much it's just a free-for-all like just try to knock somebody's teeth out while you can um it seems scary like uh, oh yeah, I, I think that's why the editing was done the way it was. Yeah. It's very chaotic. It's, yeah, chaotic is the word that comes to mind, and it it's effective, especially since that gets downplayed later. Mm-hmm. I, again, if we're talking perspective, um, Elijah Wood's character gets a little bit more comfortable yes. with these kind of circumstances later. So it's it stands to reason that the first time would be a little different. Yeah, and, you know, makes sense. Look more crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, uh, reinforcements show up. Uh, just in the nick of time, 
and uh, everybody goes home with a smile on their face, despite you know being bruised and bloodied. Anyway, we uh, we get to so afterwards they're all like, "You did a good job. You could do way better." Um, Bobbers is like, "Won't you guys make out later? We're gonna get pinched. Let's get the fuck out." So uh, Pete takes Matt back to his sister, his brother, and uh, Matt's sister's house. Upon arriving, um, Stevie is like, "What the fuck did you do oh, to yeah. him?" Yeah, oh. he he throws a shit fit. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, they I, I I I jumped too far. They he crashes at Matt's house. They wake up, or Matt crashes at Pete's house. They wake up, and he gives him a. They go to get breakfast, and the newspaper. This is where this is this a, is where we get our exposition dump. Yes. Uh, so we find out that the coverage about the match, like he's like, look at this. There's not even coverage about the match. It's just about a, a fight or some shit like that. Um, and this is where he explains to him that they're like a fir- they're a firm. They're not hooligans. Um, he actually corrects him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, for fuck's sake, stop calling it soccer." Uh, <laughs> um, um, also, during this scene is uh, where uh, the antagonist of the film is introduced mm. um, through dialogue. Yes, um, he mentions that there's a team. Was it Millmore? Millwall. Uh, Millwall. Uh, yeah, he mentions there's a team, Millwall, that they haven't played in a very long time. And they um, fucking but hate the, each but other. But their firm is headed by some fella named Tom, or Tommy. Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Thomas. Who, 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 went, who went ape shit after, after some shit happened. Oof, yeah. And is not someone to fuck with. No, we, um, we'll, we'll get to him in a little bit, but he is a cunt, uh, as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> He's a piece of shit too. Wow. Um, but yes. Yeah, so yeah, and like the the thesis of the film is also I think mentioned here, where it's just a. I think I actually wrote it down because uh, Charlie Hunnam has some pretty good quotes in this movie. He says, "We stuck by our mates and we stood our ground. That's what it's all about." Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the theme of the whole movie. Yes, that's. He's making friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he. So after they he t- explains what he explains the movie he explains what uh, a firm is and they go back to um, to back to his sister's house uh, pr- and then promptly his brother's like what the fuck did you do I said take him out for uh, like just go out for uh, for the match and he tells me like hey he got jumped by that other gang like he's like he was lucky we were there and honestly that is what happened he doesn't mention that Bobber provoked the opposing team's <laughs> firm um, but he is correct he's like we didn't start this this just happened and we, we saved him brother's not hearing it and his brother puts him up against the wall like they're about to they're about to fucking go he is mad um and then matt tries to kind of break it up and he fucking shoves him so you can tell Dude, that he his, grabs him by the throat he does he does grab him by the throat so like he he undertakers his ass up against the wall this is a big red flag uh <laughs> Big red flag for a brother-in-law. I'm like, this is the fucking dude you're married to? Jesus. God, don't overdraw his <laughs> Well, and again, the, the way he was presented up to this point, I thought he was going to be a problem in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he was being set up to be the bad guy. Like, he was a really shitty husband and was, like, smacking her around or something. Yeah. And this, this lent, like, added more fuel to the fire. Yeah. So this is very, very clever storytelling. So, because there's a re- there's a reason for all this. It's just not revealed until much much later. So we, so he basically he's not getting kicked out of the house, but he's not comfortable staying there as you you would. Uh, so he packs up his stuff. And she's like, "You're leaving already?" And like, you know what? 
I'm not dealing with this dude. I'm going to go stay at his brother's house. He goes to stay with uh, Pete. Um, and I think yeah, they go back to the bar after this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's also during that scene that um, we get some more hints that like her husband might be a, a shitheel. Because mm-hmm. she really wants him to stay. And there's some more exposition dumping here where we, we learn that their their mother's dead. And dad threw himself into work. And so like the family's just in disarray. Yeah. Like, it's completely broken. And you can tell that she's like really insistent that he try to fix things yeah like she's she's wanting him to like take a step towards fixing things and uh he's kind of a heel to her like he basically says you ran away to a different country yeah. when mom died and she's like well you went off to school and sucked at it nice seeing you sis jesus yeah <laughs> but yeah he goes off to live with charlie on him um yeah, so he goes to stay with him. They go they go back to the pub, I do believe, and mm-hmm. uh Bovers is there. Now Bovers does not like him so much that he's now antagonizing um Pete, who is the leader of this firm. And they're about to get into it when one of his other one of their comrades comes up and is like, Here, have beers, boys, let's settle down. Mm-hmm. Um and this is where we kind of slow down a little bit. We learn a little bit about Matt. Or not, uh, he, Matt tells, um, what's his face, Pete, what he does. And what uh, He says that he's a history, prof- or a history major, U.S. history major, and not a journalist. Um, we, I think it's during the exchange where he's explaining to him at, the day after, like, hey, we don't like journalists. They do a horrible job of covering stuff. So Matt kind yeah. of is like... Yeah, I maybe shouldn't tell this guy I'm a journalist. Yeah, I, I think I may be mixing up the order of events here, but um, I'm pretty sure he mentions the journalism thing when they're first hanging out on the sidewalk, like when basically yes, when he first meets. Charlie I think Holmes. he does, and he, and he just like laughs it off and says like, "Don't mention that to the people I'm about to take you to meet." Mm-hmm. Um, I think they ask what his dad does. I think his dad is yeah. supposed to be a journalist. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't remember if they go to play soccer with the kids first, or this is where he, a, he finds out. This is where they talk, and he's like, "So what do you do?" He's like, "I'm a history teacher." And he's like, "You fucking teach?" And he's like, "Yes, yeah. I teach." Uh, so he he's also the gym teacher. So he he comes with him the next day, uh, and he plays soccer with the kids. Uh, and of course, these kids are beating the shit out of him. Uh, yeah, he Charlie Hunnam. Uh, very slyly makes uh, Elijah Wood be the goalie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just cruel. <laughs> this would be like if you took uh, like a grown man, like a, a grown British man, and you're like, here, why don't you go play some uh, two-hand touch with these uh, these uh, these high school kids from uh, from Alabama. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, he's like, should I take it easy on him? I'm like, yeah, sure. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> take it easy on him. Huh? <laughs> just blow him past. What the fuck? fuck <laughs> yeah dude good luck um so yeah he, he gets his ass handed to him and um pete says to him like hey you know what why don't you give him like a history lesson like talk about uh the revolutionary war i'm sure they'd like to hear it from a yankee perspective um mm-hmm. so i don't know if he actually does i don't remember if he actually does i think he just mentions it in passing um no um they they part ways after this so is um, is this where we meet um his dad is this where his dad comes over somewhere in here uh i think we were introduced to tommy oh I, see yes. this is where this is where i can't quite remember what happens first but um Tom- Oliver gets pissy when uh elijah wood starts to become 
kind of a part of the, the team. Yeah. He starts to become integrated into the firm. And, yeah. Uh, he, he's not very shy about showing his, his jealousy on his face. He walks into the pub after, I think it was after they played soccer. He walks into the pub and he sees Frodo sitting there and he's just like, fuck this. So he actually rides his motorcycle uh, over to uh, whatever town, Millwall. He, he's over in Millwall. Yeah. This is not, he's not supposed to be over there. Um, oh yeah, this is firmly enemy territory. And he's eating dinner. What looks like dude? What the fuck was he eating? It looks awful. I've heard it looks I, disgusting. I, I don't. I've heard that British food is not good. I don't really it's know what they like have. It's just like potato mush and like green mush. It looks like something. It's from not Sweeney vegetables. Todd. It's just green mush. It does not look good. Um, <laughs> but it's just a plate of just white and green mush. <laughs> yeah, it does not look good. Uh, so yes, he. He's sitting there, and then I, I guess he was waiting for Tom. Tommy Hatcher is the bad guy's name. Uh, I yeah. guess he was waiting for him, and they 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 see him there immediately. Now, Tommy Hatcher's a pretty big dude. He's got a couple of goons with him too. There's one really big goon um, that's with him, and he's like, "Well, well, well, if it isn't a little bother," and he comes over and sits next to him and starts talking. And there are other people in the restaurant, and this dude just really quick says, everybody shut up. I'm trying to have a fucking conversation. And the place goes silent. So this guy is not a good dude. And he's such not a good dude that people in a random restaurant know exactly who he is and to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of talking to him a little bit. And he's like, yeah, we've got a fucking yank hanging out with the fucking GSE now. Like kind of disgruntled, kind of acting like he wants to switch sides a little bit. It's a really shitty move, but you can see that Bover is fucking terrified of this guy. Um, oh yeah. No, he, he barely lifts his eyes. Like he, he looks like a beaten dog in front of him. Kind of. He's cowering. Yes, very much. Yeah. Um, and then this one table, a lady, and her husband, um, they're talking kind of loud, and <laughs> even Bobber looks over at him like, "Oh no!" He, uh, Tommy goes over and he's like, "Hey, do you know who I am?" And uh, he's like, "Yeah," and he introduces himself. He's like, "Yeah, I know." He's like, "Well, that's a problem." Um, yeah, he's like, well, "That's that's really bad." That's really bad. <laughs> you probably should have said no, because <laughs> you should have known. I said, "Shut the fuck up!" And he basically assaults this man right in front of his wife and. Uh, yeah, his, he, uh, he he pins his temple his temple to the table and just screams in his ear. Oh, it's not. It's scary. It makes you not want to go yeah, to England. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not this pretty. Dude, this dude's a local. What are they going to do to me? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they get out of there real quick. And I think Bovard, like tries to stand up to him. And he's like, Sh- shut up. Like, you ain't going to do shit. And they hustle out. Um, and... This I don't know where we cut to from here. I think this is where Matt's dad comes into play. Uh, I'm not sure if Matt shows up or uh, or we go to Manchester. I um, think it, you, his dad comes in at one point, and then he comes back later. So I think they go to Manchester first. Yeah, um, th- I think we're introduced to everyone like waiting in the parking lot at the train yes, station. Yes, there we go. So Bobber was being a little bitch. So they're they're at the train <laughs> station. They're expecting. Uh, Matt, he's just dropping Matt's just dropping off a couple of the guys and um, Pete's like here drive it back home and I love this and he's like remember left side because <laughs> he's <laughs> on the other side of the road yeah that's a cute I like the little Britishisms in this just the little things here and there um, well again I think it works a little better if you're if it's foreign to you mm-hmm. like if, if you're a British person watching this is like you know 
whatever. <laughs> I think you're right. I think this was supposed to be shot more for American audiences, even though this is like almost 100% British. Uh, no, uh, I mean, there's a reason why your your protagonist is an American. Um, so we, they're at the train station and they go in and they're not expecting Bobber and they're like, we've been calling him all fucking day all, and he's just not answering and he's already there drinking Foster's. Oh, oh yeah. Quote yeah, by the way, Foster's got paid for sure. Was it they're, Foster's? They're drinking Foster's many times in this movie. I think it's a Foster's can. I'm not sure if it's actually Foster. It could be Foster's. I didn't check the label. Uh, but you know what it's supposed to be. It's it's there. No, I'm almost positive I saw it in more than one scene. I've, so Foster's well indeed got paid. <laughs> this product placement works because when Bob and I watched this movie, we stopped by 7-Eleven and get the two big cans of Foster's <laughs> when we watched this. But yeah, they're, they're drinking in the train station, and, and it just seems so strange to me. Like That seems like it's... Sh- shouldn't be legal <laughs> uh, yeah so they're they get on the train and they're they're off to manchester and matt shows up and like what the fuck are you doing here and you said like you, you said it was only like the three of you like he thought that they were going to go to manchester watch this match get into a fight with only a few people uh mm-hmm. so now they're like well they're not mad it's just that now bobber is just fucking seething like you can just tell he's like kind of looking at him on the train like i'm gonna fucking kill this little bitch like he hates him <laughs> so much um and i think it's because i i think bobber might have a wee bit of a crush on uh on charlie on uh on pete uh so we get uh, yeah i think it's that and misplaced priorities because if you look at most of the characters in this they're mostly working class folks that don't have much else going for them bobber works as a uh, an operator a telephone operator yeah and i feel like feel like things like hooliganism and like sports in general actually like it, it takes on a greater meaning mm-hmm. if you have if you have less prospects in the rest of your life uh, well, so it's like he's he's taking it to an extreme that i mean as demonstrated by him uh, being this daredevil who will put on a security uniform and march yeah. to the op- opposing side of the field just to instigate a, a fight. <laughs> um, clearly, the firm maybe means a little more to him than it does to some of the other guys. Well, even when they're in the pub before they go to that first match, they're up there singing that song, and Bobber is like making eye contact. It looks like it's Dude. directly at Pete the whole time. Dude, yeah. Yeah, he's he's singing angrily, yeah. <laughs> and they're like throwing beers up in the air, like they're getting mental, as they put it. Um, I feel like yeah. The, the other thing is, is we'll we'll find out more about Pete's brother Steve, and I think that I think there's a deep admiration for uh, for Pete coming from Bobber, which is it's kind of like a man crush. I, I think that's that's kind of what I was getting with like. I think he oh, yeah. highly respects those two brothers. Um, no, he's, he's a he's a complex character, and I, I I wanted to hate him early, but later in the film, again, everything starts to come together, yeah. and I ended up really enjoying his character. So they have sent one of their buddies. Uh, I think he's a pilot, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, he had his wings, like his uniform on, and he's like out. He's posted like out front at the train station uh, at Manchester, and uh, he's calling them on his flip phone saying uh uh they got like 40 guys here (laughs) and and they're just waiting for you they're waiting for you guys because apparently uh what pete had done is they got into a fight the year before and he beat the shit out of a guy like i think they have some maybe some rules uh like because he says later in the segment like you don't do somebody on the deck like you don't kick somebody while they're on the ground 
I think yeah. they might have some some hooligan rules, and I think he might have overstepped that uh, against this one guy because you see this guy's face. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, oh yeah, no, there's a there's a a subtle reveal. He just turns around for the camera, and like his one uh, his one orbital bone looks like it's been smashed, mm-hmm. and his eye looks like it's maybe not all there. <laughs> what did you catch him mention? He's like, yeah, I might have gone a little overboard that time. I didn't know. Yeah, if, yeah. So. Yeah, these guys are hungry for blood. Like they are, they want to beat the shit out of these guys. So they're like, "What are we gonna do?" And they're like, the "One guy, I love his voice. He's like, is there any stops?'" He's like, "I say express train. There's no stop to Manchester." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one fucking guy. Good job. I love him. Job. I just, I love, I love his voice. He's just so, fu- he's really funny in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Um, <laughs> he's so fat in Shaun of the Dead, you wouldn't even recognize him. Uh, he's, he's oh, like wow. really, really young. It was like four years before this movie. Or I'm sorry, like oh, he had chub- two. He had, he had chubby cheeks in this, so I could see that. He's fat in Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> uh, he uh, anyway. So they pull. Bobber pulls the emergency brake, and they uh, they catch a they catch a ride somehow. Um, uh, it's kind of funny, actually. Um, we get so they get off at some random like podunk train station uh, that they weren't supposed to stop at and they all file out and the whole the whole way that when they're marching in the door charlie hunnam's doing his, his yeah. swinging dick gorilla walk and he's like barking out orders like yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna head him off in the past we're gonna do this and this and this and then they get outside and it's a ghost town there's no cabs like, that's what it was yeah he's like there's no cabs <laughs> he's like no fucking cabs and uh elijah wood notices a like moving truck uh, across the street and i guess they jack it Oh, yeah, they, they either hitch a ride. I think they hitch a ride um, with the well, guy. They commandeer it at some They point. commandeer it. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, because he says to the dude, he's like, you better get the fuck out of here. So they, I think they pay the guy for a ride. And this is where Bobber's about to knock the shit out of him, too. He's like, see that movie? Was, oh, yeah. He's like, I told you to shut up. And he's like, fuck you. Like, I'm like, they're going to go. But they, they break yeah. it up real quick. Yeah, Elijah Wood says, like, I have a plan. And then it's Bobber's instant reaction is like, fuck you. Shut up. Yeah. And Charlie Hunnam has to separate them. Uh-oh. But, yeah, they end up taking the moving truck and driving it over to the Manchester Stadium. So what they do. Or the yeah. train station, rather. Yeah, they sneak in there, basically. Like, even the guy stopping, like, what are you guys doing? He's like, oh, this is for that new Cameron Diaz movie or Hugh or no, Grant. Hugh or, Grant or, yeah, Hugh Grant movie. And, and uh, uh, the one guy asks, like, who, who's the lady in the yeah. movie? And he says, Cameron Diaz. And I actually wrote it down. He says, Cameron Diaz? I hope so. She's fit as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just lets them pass. Just get out of here. So what they do is they basically attack him from behind. They have no idea it's coming. And it's literally only, like, six of them, isn't it? I think it's six or seven. Yeah, it's, not it's even... like six of them. And this is nuts. <laughs> they, they do pretty well. They beat some ass, but they uh, they only beat ass long enough for the authorities to show up, and then they get out of there. And my f- possibly favorite line of the movie, because they're like, the the guys are antagonizing them, like clapping, like, where's your famous GSE? And they're like, where's your famous? And like doing the clapping. So as they leave, they go, there's your famous, there's your famous GSE. It's a, it's a yeah. nice little scene. And then... It's a it's a triumphant little moment. It is. And the the way they get away is the the cops show up. Yeah. The, um, the police yeah. immediately jump in and start to break things up and our heroes escape. Uh there's some stuff that didn't pay off here. Um there's a lot of uh security footage mm-hmm. that's placed in and I thought that was going to play a part later in the story like Elijah Wood would get arrested or something mm-hmm. uh, cuz like facial identification or something, but it's just uh for flavor. Um, it gives it an interesting look. Mm-hmm. 
In fact, every fight in the movie has a distinct look to it, which is kind of interesting. Like, to approach essentially the same brawl over and over and over again, uh, different from a filmic standpoint. Yep. Uh, but yeah, um, this is where there was like 30 seconds of narration at the beginning of this movie, and it only comes up like two more times, and this is where it comes back. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was kind of like, what? We're doing this again? Yeah, narrating. <laughs> I thought we were done with that. But, um, like, I think as they're escaping, like, into the subway or something, this is where Elijah Wood's narration comes back. And he's basically, it's basically a montage explaining that, like, now he's part of the group, he's he's running with the pack, and he's now, like, a member of the firm. Yeah, because he was saying, he's like, we could have died that day, and he's like, and we didn't, and we came out on top, and word got around, like, oh, so they're... So then we meet him like, oh, so you're the Yank, you're the you're the American running around. He gets his West Ham tattoo. Uh, like he's he's yeah firmly planting his feet into this firm. Uh, and Bovers accept, accept accepted him. Um, this is after this whole montage. We're feeling good about Elijah Wood. You know, he's finally you know not a pussy anymore. He's hanging out with these new friends, and his dad shows up at Shannon. His sister Shannon. That's what it is. Um, so his dad's like, what happened? And he's like, basically like, you wouldn't understand because you're never there, dad. And <laughs> his dad's like, well, let me make a call. And he's like, fuck that, no. And he's like, well, he's like, I have a, I have a friend at the Times and the London Times. And like, I'd like you to meet him. I think he can get you a job here despite everything that happened. I'll explain what happened. Um, and he asks Matt, he says, have you been keeping your journal? And he's like, well, that's the one thing I have been doing. So this whole time... Matt has been keeping a journal of what's been happening, uh, and it's his own yeah. private diary, and it's just sitting at uh, Pete's house. Um, On his laptop. Yeah. So I think they just kind of do business as usual, and then uh, this is where the draw comes. So the the playoff draw, basically, for the... Uh, this is for the Premier League, I'm assuming. Um, so they're doing the draws it's like middle of the day so like pete's sitting in his classroom with his with all of his students and they're watching uh watching this everybody that's supposed to be at work is like listening to it tommy is sitting in his office uh listening to what the matches are going to be so this is the year that west ham are going to uh play against millwall and everybody's just like fuck yes like they're jacked about this (laughs) yeah everybody's eyes light up and uh, yeah, it's it's during uh, Elijah Wood's conversation with his dad that uh, when they part ways, he actually um, was it uh, Steve mm-hmm. actually drive he like pulls up in a car in front of his house and um, Elijah Wood actually asks him like oh, like the drawing was just now like could you tell me who it was and Steve's like no <laughs> just to be a dick and then he walks back and then he says Millwall he says it right, like right as yeah. he's walking in um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I think is this. He hasn't had the meeting with the Times person yet, but uh, I think they're all talking about it after the the draw. They're like, "Oh wow!" So they're all. Um, go ahead. This is this is where like my note actually says uh, the other shoe drops. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so what what comes of Elijah Woods meeting with his dad is he's a complete shit heel to his dad. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty much any like like you had mentioned any any offer his dad makes to try to like make amends or set him straight in his like 
current path in life, uh, he shirks it off, except for the offer to meet with the person at the London Times. Yeah. Um, so what happens here is uh, Elijah Wood does accept that offer. Um, he he does go and have a meeting. His dad actually like chaperones, and uh, what is it like one of Bobber's friends or something? It's the pilot. The uh, pilot's sitting across the street, standing across the street, and just happens yeah. to see him walking into the Times. Yeah, and he tells Bobber about this, and um, this is where it becomes apparent that uh, journos, as they refer to them, are absolutely not welcome around firms. Yeah. Um. And yeah, very, very rapidly, some major plot points start to happen here. So yeah, um, so while Bover is uh, tearing up uh, Charlie Hunnam's apartment, uh, going through his shit and, you know, discovering the truth that uh, Elijah Wood has been essentially uh, writing about all of their misadventures together at the GSE, um, Steve actually pulls... Uh, Matt aside and takes him out to the pub uh, because he wants to have a little heart-to-heart with him. He meets him at the pub. Um, he finds out where he's at. Yeah, yeah. and from a visual standpoint, you can tell that uh, Steve is making it a point to stay kind of incognito. Like he, They they post up at a, at, at a booth way in the back. Uh, he kind of has his collar pulled up. Uh, you can tell he doesn't want to be seen there. No. Um, and it's during this conversation that it comes to light uh, as to why that's the case. Um, so uh, we neglected to mention that there's there's a character who's referenced in the film who hasn't had a presence in the story up to this point. Um, they go by the name the Major, um, which I took to mean like the leader, basically. Yeah. It's like it's like the leader of the firm. Um, as it so happens, Steve was, and I guess is still currently regarded as the major uh, although he's since attempted to pass the title on to his younger brother uh, Charlie Hunnam uh, so he basically pours his heart out to Elijah Wood and explains to him that um, the wa- the reason why he's no longer part of the firm uh, and the reason why he flipped the fuck out on him when he discovered that he was hanging out with them um, so as it so happens uh, the last time that Millwall uh, played West Ham. Uh, the two firms clashed, and uh, we get this glorious flashback scene where um, we're introduced to uh, Steve's m- mullet. Uh, it's quite the epic mullet. It is an um, epic mullet. Uh, yeah, uh, it's hideous. It's awful. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, it, it's hideous. It's awful to look at. Um, I'm guessing they threw it on him to to signify that this is the past. This was when he was younger and more rambunctious. Um, now he just looks like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does actually. He has Gordon Ramsay hair. No, even from his, even from a facial standpoint, he kind of looks a little. Yeah, like him, the but, nose. Um, so it's my understanding. I think Millwall actually won the game. Yeah, they did, uh, and that's why he's so furious. The, so the uh, Green Street Elite uh, are out to prove something with their fists in the in the brawl after the match. Uh, so the two firms collide and. Uh, Tommy Hatcher, uh, the gentleman who we met in the restaurant earlier, the complete shit heel. Uh, what second biggest piece of shit in the world? He's pretty. I mean, dog is worse. At least, at yeah. least for Tommy, we have a motivation. Dog's just a piece of shit yeah. in lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Tommy uh, has a habit of bringing his twelve-year-old son 
uh, to the meats for some reason. Um, and they, he mentions to him, like, he was trying to make him hard. Like, he's trying to make him tough. So yeah. he's making him basically watch him fight grown men and go to these yeah. matches and just turn him into a little piece of shit, too. <laughs> and, yeah, I think Steve mentions that, like, the kid was always there and he was a complete shit heel just like his dad. Yeah. Um, and so during all the chaos, though, the, this 12-year-old boy gets knocked to the ground because he's actually throwing fists. Like, he's involved. Like, he's part of the fight. It looks like it was on accident. Like, I don't think he was supposed to be... Like, he was supposed to be standing out of the way, and I think he kind of got caught up in the mix, and then they didn't realize yeah. it. He gets knocked down, and then you're grown men fighting other grown men. You don't... You're, like, probably stepping on people's heels. You don't realize what you're stepping on as a small child. <laughs> yeah, so... um this this 12 year old boy gets stomped to death essentially yeah. and uh as a result uh tommy uh, becomes disgruntled and completely flips his shit uh seemingly for the until the end of time yeah. <laughs> um so that's why he's a little more aggro than the other firm leaders i guess and uh this is also why steve is no longer part of the gse uh because he he couldn't handle that like the idea of a child dying on his watch basically uh, so, like, Claire Forlani, and I, I forget if we mentioned that, that they have a, they have like a baby, baby yeah. together. Um, they, I guess they represent, like, his new beginning. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's, like, a white-collar worker now, and uh, he's trying to have a family and distance himself from all this hooliganism. Another thing that's important, too, is that his wife, Shannon, she said that if he ever got into any kind of trouble again, she would take the baby and leave. Like, she's like, I'm not putting yeah. up with it at all. And he's like, I need that. I needed, I needed that stability. I needed something to get me out of this. And I needed somebody. I needed that to. I need to know that that could be taken away from me if I get back into this. So it's like it's very important oh, yeah. that I stay out of this, and you should stay out of this as well. It's very important to her. Um, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, so I just want to. Uh, I'm not sure if it got if it was uh, if it might have been missed. Was that Matt went to the Times with his father uh, to see. Um, to see a guy about a job um the gse catch wind of it and they basically this is when they go to to um pete's apartment and that's why um stevie is coming to talk to elijah wood like hey yeah, you yeah. bob bover is leading the witch hunt yeah um and basically uh elijah wood has a a target painted on his back um it's actually just the word journo yeah um so the gse firms just in general uh, do not like journalists because uh, I guess they uh, draw too much attention to them. Yeah. I guess. And um, so yeah, everything comes to a head at this point because as they're trying to slip out of the pub, um, somebody I think the bartender uh, notices that uh, Steve is there, and the entire pub just goes dead silent, and everybody like raises a glass to the major, mm -hmm. and this and uh, he he very like reluctantly kind of eases back into the room you can tell he has like one foot out the door yeah he's and like now i'm stuck here i can't leave yeah he's like fuck <laughs> and i think this is also when bobber shows up this is where uh it's actually pete who uh confronts them first he's actually sitting there talking to his brother and he's like You're getting all the juicy details and uh steve actually doesn't know what's going on he doesn't know he knows that He's a journalist, but he doesn't know that he has a notebook of all the stuff that's happened, and that's basically what he's saying. He's like, it's just a journal, and he gets punched by Bover, 
um, and he explains to him, he's like, look, that's, I, my dad's a journalist, like, I was just going there with him for about, about a job, and he's like, you were going to turn in all that, that stuff you had written down, he's like, that's just my diary, that's, that has nothing to do with anything, and um, <laughs> Pete actually believes him, and he stops Bobber from hitting him, and this is where Bobber's like, this is fucking, like, we have the biggest match coming up tomorrow, and you're letting a fucking journalist hang out with us, and he's like, fuck, he's just, fuck the lot of you, he's just like, I'm done with you guys, this is the fucking dumbest shit, and this is a really, an interesting scene with him, and, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, Frodo and Pete going to the bathroom, and he's like, dude, you promised me you're not a fucking journalist, because you have got me in a tight spot, like, if I can't convince these guys that you're not a journalist, like, we're fucking done, like, I'm not gonna be their leader, they're not gonna trust, there's gonna be no trust between us, like, it's just done, and he's, you can tell he's very disappointed in him, um, it's a, it, it's, it's a nice little exchange there, it's, 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 it's a tense yeah, moment. Yeah, he, uh, he, he punches the tile on the wall at some point. Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty not happy about this, so, um, yeah. <laughs> Bobber, this is where Bobber, uh, proves his piece of shitness. Uh, he guns it over to Millwall and goes to their equivalent of the pub where they're getting shitty, um, getting all jacked up. And uh, he's a little more confident this time. He even talks shit to the big goon. He's like, go on, do what you're told, sit down. And uh, uh, he tells him, he's like, uh, yeah, they're all hanging out at the pub over there. By the way, the, uh, the major's there. And it was a well-known, I guess it was either an agreement they might have secretly had, or it was just known that he's not involved with the firm anymore. And yeah, when yeah. Tommy finds out that he's in the pub, he is, like, hard up, like, we're fucking going over there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where chaos ensues. Um, Bobber shows him to the pub, and he's like, so they're in there. And he's like, yeah, and he's like, this is how it's got to go down, and they just fucking bust a bottle over his head. They're like, fuck you, dude. We're taking over now. So it's absolute chaos. They, Dude, they, they foot-clan their way into this pub. They foot-clan like, their no way joke. into the pub. <laughs> <laughs> like, no joke. It's, they, yeah. they, the, the, the way this fight starts is two people jumping through the fucking windows. Yeah, it's like when in Christmas vacation when the cops come at the end. It's just Yeah, and then there's a fire. So, yeah, it is kind of reminiscent of uh, the foot-clan raiding uh, April O'Neil's apartment in the... Ninja Turtle movie, but yeah, it just made me laugh that the way this fight starts is just two bodies just fling through the windows. I mean, it's like it goes from zero to ten in no time. There's things on fire. Oh, yeah. People are fighting out in the streets, fighting in the pub. They're breaking things, and this is it's where like, oh shit, the Millwall boys brought their trampolines <laughs> <laughs> and their candy glass. Uh, they uh, Tommy has they Tommy confronts um, uh, Stevie, and he's he is like pretty pissed off he's like after in here after all this time he's like i heard you got yourself a nice yank wife had yourself a nice son i had a son once and um he takes a glass and i mentioned this before uh he stabs him in the neck and he tells him like hey if you die then we're square then we're good like he really really hates stevie obviously so (laughs) they pull they pull steve out into the street and bobber comes too and he's like oh fuck like I think I just got somebody killed because of this shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't expect that to happen? Jesus. So they, they take him to the hospital. Um, he's in critical condition. He's not dead, but he's he's not doing well, as you would not be doing well if you had a piece of glass in your throat. Um, <laughs> but 
Bover is in the waiting room with everybody, and he's like about to cry and collapse. Like he's just he's so much anxiety, and he's. I think he tells him he's like I didn't mean for it to happen this way, and pretty much the worst thing that Bover could hear was like, "We're done, dude. Get the f- don't yeah, ever come he around." Gets expelled from the firm, and I'm not sure who had the better cry, uh, Claire Forlani or uh, Bover. I think Bover. I think both. I think Stevie's death weighs heavier on Bover than it does Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right, but man, she. I I gotta give it to her. Like she uh, she can cry. Yeah. Like she was flipping the fuck out. It's a and I, yeah. It's a it's a painful scene. She yeah, and I'm I was very uh pleased i guess to see that steve does not die no he's just in critical condition uh but as she said uh, like while he's in the hospital she heads straight home and starts to pack up yeah she's done like no she's not playing around she's just like nope i'm gone (laughs) so i think this is where they were kind of walking back like uh, matt and uh, pete are walking back and he's like we have to we have to go He's like, I'm going with you to that. Uh, it's like the day after. He's like, I'm going with you to that war. I think it's what he says. I'm going with you to that war. No, um, uh, wharf. Wharf. Yeah. Uh, um. So Pete, it, it's a little vague. Um, it's a little hazy, but it's my understanding that Pete has one of his people. I think the pilot, because he's that's what he's there for. He's the he's the the messenger. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he has him contact Tommy's people, and they arrange to have a, a rumble essentially. Yeah. And they head out to the the wharf uh, for their rumble. It's basically, I'm guessing, the entirety of both firms uh, get together and just scrap it out. Scrap it out. Um, so um, there's a the editing here is really neat. It does kind of have like the feeling of like either a, a big fight or a or a, or a war yeah. or something where we we get everyone's like morning routine, like the the calm before the storm. And so, like, we get one of the guys. I think it was the guy with the shitty haircut <laughs> that, that like broke up the fight between Bobber and Pete earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like a girlfriend, and like he's just like hugging her from behind while she's doing dishes. And uh, Pete's just like getting getting himself all jacked up and like staring at a wall, basically <laughs> in, alone <laughs> in his apartment, <laughs> like badasses do. Oh, that's funny. And uh, um, yeah, and yeah, um, Elijah Wood like. This is not normal behavior. Um, he's standing with the front door open, just in the doorway, smoking. Yeah. Um, and he's picked Claire up Forlani's smoking a little bit like, while he's been there. Oh, yeah. He smokes quite a bit, but just the fact that he's, like, staring out into the street with the door open, yeah. and, like, in his sister's house, and she's while she's packing up and getting ready to take... Uh, both him and her, I'm guessing, to the airport. Yeah, um, and she's like, "You're not, you're not going, right? You're doing the right thing." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you know." No, yeah. Bo- <laughs> Bover was pretty upset about what happened, so he went and bought a fifth of Stoli uh, vodka, and he is sitting on a bench outside uh, London Bridge, and he's drinking and yelling like a homeless person. Um, <laughs> just drinking the vodka straight up, and then that morning that they're coming to cop comes by and just nudges him on the bench and i can't imagine like i can't imagine how he feels like he put down quite a bit of vodka and he rubs his head so you're like (laughs) tired dehydrated and he just gets up and takes off running like he should have been like zigzagging while he was running (laughs) um yeah because he he had been out there 
I don't know how long, but uh, the scene when he's having his little emotional breakdown was really well done. Yeah. Um, so pretty much like as soon as he's expelled from the GSE, uh, he goes out in the middle of the night and he goes, he gets blasted. Yeah. He, he's standing on this bench, um, and the the way it's shot, it's like framed very tightly just on his face, and it's I think it's just one take. Yeah. And he's just you know tears pouring out his face and he just has this horrible i mean his his name in my notes is frumpy face yeah so this is him his normal frumpy face now doing like a horrible just like grimace and yeah he's like crying out to the heavens and just pouring his soul out well he's lost everything that he held dear everything that mattered to him basically he just lost it all in one night just done and he's gonna go redeem himself so he basically Catch. He bolts. He, like he takes off running, and somehow he just knows where they're going to be because maybe they've done this before. Like that, maybe this is the the location of choice. <laughs> yeah, they, they're. There's just kind of music in the background. They're walking, and Elijah Wood. He come like the whole group, the whole GSC is walking down the street, and he just runs up from behind and just falls in ranks with, uh, with um, Pete, and they just they're they're marching on, and they get to this little, just some little. Like basically, where people in the mob shoot people, that's where they're fighting. Yeah, um, <laughs> it looks like every location in Mystic River. Basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, and they're just going at it, um, and it's kind of got like the the gladiator battle music going on. They're just like hitting and punching. No, I think there's a a song. It's like some it has kind of a folk. It's kind of it has like a folksy feel tech, to it, like a techno or like some kind of idiot like electronic music uh, in the background. And I think Shannon, or like, uh, Shannon pulls up like a dumbass. Like, she just <laughs> drives up to where they're fighting and she's like, Matt, Matt, where are you? <laughs> and I'm, well, she, she thought that he was going to come with her. And so, again, you, you trust this young man uh, with, you know, a firm tattoo on his torso to, to stick around while he has the door hanging open all morning Jeez. and he's smoking. Clearly, he has some some weird thoughts going through his head. But yeah, she rounds the corner in the house, and he's gone. And so she, yeah, she goes out driving looking for him. She finds him, uh, and then <laughs> yeah, she finds him. Basically, Tommy pieces it together. He's like, "That's that's his wife." So I'm gonna go. I think he's gonna kill her or beat the shit out of her, one or the other. Like whatever Whoa. he does when no, he gets a hold. I think he's. Yeah, he uh, he and uh, Pete have a scrap. And it's it's not a conclusive scrap, but both guys are injured, mm-hmm. like pretty badly. They're both hobbled, and uh, so yeah, they they find each other in in all the chaos of all the fighting, and uh, but Tommy has this big goon, uh, who his he hasn't had much of a role in the story up till now, and he doesn't have a role in the story for the most part. He's just like his right hand man, and he's fucking big. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy's like dragging one ankle to like trying to get to the car so he, he like six the, the big goon on her and this dude like runs up like a fucking zombie on her like yeah. like there's no thoughts running through his head it's just like violence and yeah she gets into her suv and he's just like banging on the windows and trying to get in and then uh it, pete says he's like hey to bother like hey you want to redeem yourself get my get my sister-in-law and matt out of here basically um and, well, Matt goes with him, and he's like, "Get, get my sister-in-law out of here." And he, yeah, Bob. Oh yeah. By the way, Bobber shows up as like 
not the Deus Ex Machina, mm. but he's just like the he helps the, out the support. Yeah, he, the support that shows up just in the nick of time. And he he runs up, and, he uh, kicks he kicks the dude, which I thought was kind of cool. I like I like how he takes he bounces of off of him. Yeah, <laughs> um, like he drop kicks the guy and like bounces off his chest. And uh, to try to to try to bite time like he uh pete starts talking shit to tommy he's like are you done then he's like uh don't worry the rest of the millwall guys are gonna take care of you in a minute and uh he says something about his son he's like we like we didn't kill your son tommy you did you're the one that brought him and he fucking turns quick yeah he's like what the he sees red he's mad so he's telling him, like, you should have defended him. He was your son. And he just comes in and, and lays into Pete. And I think that he had knocked him out on the first hit. And mm-hmm. this is a dude, so he's about 240, I'd say, 240, 250, just kind of a big guy. Like, not kind of fat big, but just a big piece of meat. Um, oh, I'm sure his forearms are as big as my head. Yeah, he's he's he just he has work workman's hands. You know? He's a big fella, and he is. I don't know how you can do a haymaker while somebody's on the ground because a haymaker is just like a big, <laughs> just wide swing. But that's more or less like what it feels like when he is punching. The I think the sound effects are really good here because it sounds legit. It sounds like he's punching a piece of meat, and oh yeah, oh, and and he's like shouting just. Jibber. He's doing the Vinnie Jones yeah. thing where it's like you don't even really know what words are coming out of his mouth. It's just raw emotion. Yeah. And uh, they do this thing where all the like all the combatants around them start to hear like those. That's a different sound. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's not that's not normal fighting. Yeah. And everybody just kind of stops. And uh, eventually they do pull Tommy off of Pete. Uh, but yeah, he's, Pete, Pete's face is hamburger, and he is very much not alive. He's dead. <laughs> he he literally beat him to death. Um, yes, he is an ex-human. Well, that's that's rage. That's a that's a special kind of rage. Is somebody who's lost a kid, and if you turn that trigger on, like if you flip that switch, that that's what you're gonna get. Um, well, but, this is where the the writing comes into play because this is like really simple stuff. Like, it's very simple math, but it's math that sometimes gets overlooked. Like, sometimes people forget to show their work when they're writing. Mm-hmm. And this is, during this one fight, uh, Bover is redeemed because he shows up and he is accepted back into the group. He does something good. And uh, Tommy also gets, I would imagine, some form of catharsis. Yeah. Because he keeps, there's repetition of him saying, like, until, one until of you. those Dunham boys are dead... Uh, at least one of them. He's one of you uh, is going to pay for this, yeah. Yeah. Someone has to pay for my son, and the idea is, I would imagine, he gets some form of catharsis for, or at least comes to some form of peace for having taken a life in exchange for his sons. And this all happens in, like, a three-minute fight. Um, I don't... And also, Elijah Wood, like, gets complete confirmation that's like, you know, as, as much as you were in this world, it's not your world. No. <laughs> like... There's a reason you're driving away from this it was, because this isn't this isn't where you live. He would have been the other target, honestly. I think they would have killed him. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Well, I think um, if I remember right, when Bobber is first sicking uh, Tommy on them, he actually leads with that. Mm-hmm. He says the Yanks a journo. Yeah. And Tommy's like, and I care why. And then he's like, oh yeah, and the majors at the pub. And he's like, oh well. <laughs> so like, well, we can take care of that. Um. 
But yeah, so I don't think Tommy's going to go to jail for this. I think there's probably an honor system. Like, if somebody ends up in the hospital or somebody dies from one of these things, it's... They put... And they brought it on themselves. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if, if uh, he's going to be rehabilitated after this. I don't know if he's going to be an even worse psychopath or if he's going to do, like, the major and, like, just step away. Like, maybe this isn't mm. for me anymore. But um, I, we don't know. That's the, that's the ending I came up with is that he, like, maybe takes a step away from it. Um, oh, yeah. Funny note here. Um, Tommy killing Pete reminds me of Ralphie beating Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. It is, it is. Oh, it is very much like that. That's I mean, good. right up to the shouting gibberish. <laughs> Roger Did you hear what he said? Oh, man. Uh, except, so, for, I think, except Scott Farkas was a ginger, and it's the other way around in this situation. Yeah. Uh, so Matt has decided to go back to America, and he... He's in, uh, I'm guessing, some kind of gentleman's, like, uh, it looks like a gentleman's club. Because they're smoking, yeah. they're smoking cigars and having a brandy kind of thing. And they're doing a real, yeah. like, <clears throat> Masters of the Universe, like, oh, you're so successful, kind of. It, it's that kind of, uh, kind of thing. Well, uh, it's the guy from the beginning. I can't remember what his name is. Um, we'll call him. Uh, the coke. Cokehead. Yeah, the cokehead, and uh, you can tell that he's <laughs> like he's doing the sniffles, and uh, I guess his dad got reelected, so things are going well for him. I think he's probably got a nice new job where he's making a lot of money. Yeah, no. they, there's mention of a, a new account or something that he just landed, so he's doing great. Yeah, he's doing well. So um, he goes into the bathroom. He's like, "Excuse me, I have to go. Uh, I have to partake in this uh, this um, building's nice facilities." and uh, He's in there just chopping coke, and um, this is a funny, I like how he does this. Frodo just kind of walks into the bathroom and then just opens up the door, and he's just sitting there, he just looks at him, and he's just still cutting up coke, Uh, (laughs) and he does his line, then he looks up at him, and he's like, fucking Matt? And he's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, he doesn't really have a reaction. No, Uh, could not care less, and um, Matt, and uh, Frodo is like talking to him. He's like, "Hey, so your dad got reelected. You said you would take care of me, like you would, you would help." And he's like, uh, "I lied, basically." He's like, "You took the fall from me, and I lied. I'm not going to help you." Uh, and Elijah Wood steps away. He recorded it, so he got him to basically admit that he frame or uh, that he let him take the fall. And he, the little cokehead, hears it and he tries to strong arm him he tries to tries to take it away from him little does he know uh frodo's been across the pond beating ass uh and i like his move he just knocks his legs from underneath him and gets him against the wall i think it's i think it's meant to mirror that of what charlie hunnam did to him Mm -hmm. Um, it is basically he he takes his legs out from under him and he puts his knuckles to his face but doesn't strike him no uh, but he does knock his balance out enough that as soon as he releases him, he just slides to the floor. <laughs> yeah. No, when you when you're and I, I really love the I really love the cokehead's expression after this though, because he like almost like cradles his head in his hands where it's like he didn't get hit, but the like the damage to his pride is is there. It's real. Yeah. Because um, he knows he would have gotten fucked up in that instance. He did fuck up. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much in the movie except for as matt's leaving he starts singing the uh the football chant the blowing bubbles and he's just yeah doing the clapping yeah the uh 
the shot mirrors that of uh, the first time we see the the GOC uh, yeah. walk out of the pub down the street to the to the match. Yeah. Um, except he's alone, and yeah, he's uh, there's like audio of that song playing in the background. But yeah, that's that's the end of the movie. It wraps up very tidily. Very tidily. <laughs> Um, it's a very tidy ending. Yeah, I think this movie is fun. It's a it's a it's a nice rewatch for me. I might actually watch it later tonight. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, <laughs> you don't want you don't want to watch the sequels, Kyle. The what? You don't want to watch the sequels? <laughs> no. Are you I sure? Can't, I can't imagine what the I, sequels I mean, are like. Full full disclosure: there are two sequels to this movie. Um, uh, Green Street Hooligans 2, Never Back Down, and uh, Green Street Hooligans 3, what is the title? Uh, oh, 2 is Stand Your Ground, and 3 is Never Back Down. Are, are, <laughs> e- mistake. are they anything um, I like own, this? I actually own 3, and I've seen it. Is it. So I saw 3 before I saw 1, and I haven't seen 2. Is it? I own 3 because Scott Adkins is in it. Is it anything like this? I'm guessing not. Um, It's very cheap. <laughs> it's very cheap and not as and not nearly as well written but you know similar themes i guess uh but the main difference is that our protagonist in three is scott adkins and the idea is he's like the major he's basically steve's character gotcha except for he's coming back to like restore the glory of the faction so he's been away and he comes back so instead of being like a fish out of water like Elijah Wood was he's like the returning king basically okay and it's it's not awful um, but yeah that that's actually like my introduction to the series was watching the third movie gotcha. a couple of years ago so would you like um, would you say you like the movie I would um I mentioned to you off air that uh I feel like it's it's a nice like not a coming of age story but it's like a, a young man's story of finding his place in the world because it's it's it has that fish out of water quality to it uh where it's like he comes from a like a protected like academic background and now he's living amongst like the the hardened like working class people yeah and he, he like finds his passion because he seems like kind of a sedate person before that um like I said, um, I didn't go into detail with about this earlier, but very early on, it had a very strong Fight Club vibe to it. Yeah. Um, early on only, it tapers off uh, barely a third of the way in the movie. It was just me taking down notes. Like The, the note I wrote was like, uh, Charlie Hunnam, existentialism. There's, there's even a, a conversation, a philosophical conversation on a train. Uh, there's tribalism. Um, what happens at football stays at football. That's a direct quote from the movie, by the way. Um, so it, I don't think it's just me getting that vibe, but like I said, it tapers off. It's its not like, I'm not saying rip off or anything like no, that. No, it's an but, entirely different story, um, no. but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, I i enjoyed this. Good, I'm um, glad. I, especially, like I said, the, the, like the last third of it, I really enjoyed watching the writing come together. Mm-hmm. That was neat, because it... it took two characters that i was fully prepared to hate and all of a sudden it's like oh i think i like them like steve and bobber yeah um yeah i've been having you catch up on more uh on more foreign stuff i feel like now uh with the, the british movies i guess you could kind of consider it foreign uh, no, that, that's foreign that's foreign although um we forgot to mention who directed this movie and i you were you were surprised to hear this because and so was i um 
directed by Lexi Alexander, uh, who we both know as the director of Punisher Warzone. Mm-hmm. Um, I know she is a former stunt woman. Yes. Uh, and I, I think it shows in the construction of like the action scenes and stuff. But I was very shocked because this doesn't have the Punisher Warzone feel to it. Um, no, I mean it. Punisher Warzone came out a few years later. Um, yeah. She has another as movie as I know, she's, that she directed. Uh, I think okay. Johnny Flinton. I've never heard of it or seen it, but uh, looks like she it's a boxing does movie. TV, as far as I know. Well, yeah. So. Um, she definitely knows her way around fighting. <laughs> yeah, we're we're both really big fans of uh, Punisher Warzone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's I think it gets a bad rap. It does. I enjoy I enjoy it. Jigsaw. Uh, Jigsaw. Jigsaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, I think it's pretty much it. That's all I had to say about that. All right. Well, thank you for having me catch up on Green Street Hooligans. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, until next time. <laughs>